0: good morning to you. Hey, I want to thank my good friend back here. Where is he? There he is. Uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Ammo here is what I like to refer to him as. Scott, Scott Miles. Scott Miles saved me embarrassment this morning. I hurriedly put my microphone on, and I sat down here waiting on my moment to come up here, and, and all of a sudden, Scott came up, and he came over to me. And, it's like, and he was like, your collar's a mess. And he... <laughs> So he helped me out, he straightened it out, and I wouldn't have noticed that, I would have stood up here and you all would have thought, boy, uh, Arlene didn't give John enough care this morning when she was uh, getting him dressed to get him to church, but uh, uh, thank you. You don't know how many times preachers have have stood up uh, with something out of place, and it causes a problem, so there may be something else, but at least my collar's straight, so thank you, Scott, for, for that. You know, we're going to go back to our, our uh, study this morning on the 12. We're in the book of Obadiah uh, today. Uh, if you remember, uh, Hosea, um, uh, Amos, Joel. Today we're going to be looking at Obadiah. It made me start thinking about something that my grandfather said to me a long time ago. And I actually have, have it here. I, I, I almost always, and I can't say always, but almost always, I have a, I have a little pocket knife in my... Uh, in my pocket yep it's caused it's caused me problems actually when i've uh, i went to the uh, blair county courthouse one day and and uh, i just dropped it in the little thing and sent it through the scanner and he picked it up and he said you know this is a problem right it's like oh i didn't wasn't even thinking about uh, that being in my pocket but uh, do, you, do, you, do you carry a pocket knife who does oh there's some of you here yeah Look at the age of all of us that have a pocket knife, okay? There, there you go. Uh, my, my grandfather said uh, a fellow always needs a, a, a good sharp knife. Now, I don't know how sharp this one is. This, this actually belonged to a, to a mentor of mine uh, in ministry, uh, Charlie Ridland. And some years ago when he passed away, uh, his wife gave it to me. It's a little pearl-handled uh, uh, knife, and I, I've, I've carried it ever since then. And uh, you know, I try to keep it keep it close by because you, you never know when you might need a, a good uh, a good pocket knife. You know, most of the time now it's just used to uh, you know Amazon has brought back the pocket knife, <laughs> right? Because people need a pocket knife to, to get into those uh, to get into those boxes, and that's that's mostly <laughs> actually what I use it what I use it what I use it for. Now, what's what's the spiritual application of that? Well, well, here it is. Obadiah is one of those books that it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to find, first of all, right? Um, and secondly, it, it is a, uh, a rather obscure book. It's the, it's the smallest book in the Old Testament. Just one chapter, 21 verses. Starts out by saying a, a vision of Obadiah. We know very little about him. But we do know this, that, that one of the other major prophets quoted uh, extensively from this little 21 verse book, which means to th- say that, um, that, uh, that he, uh, uh, that major prophet, thought very highly of, uh, of this minor prophet, uh, Obadiah, and what he had uh, to, to say. And it's certainly a part of of the Bible, the Bible record for us today. And I think that it has some pretty interesting things uh, for us to uh, uh, to think about. And that's kind of what I want to I want to do today. I want to show you how how this little book and the overall message of Obadiah is kind of the pocket knife in the hands of a believer today. Okay, let, let me let me draw that analogy with you. Uh, this. Uh, this morning. Let, let me let me draw your attention just a few verses there. In in Obadiah, in um, in verse number one, it just simply says the vision of Obadiah, this is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord, an envoy was sent to the nations to say, Rise, let us go against her in in battle. Or how about this verse? Just jump down just a couple of verses. And this is what it says. The pride of your heart has deceived you. Now think about that. He says, you who live in the clefts of the rock, that was what they were known as. You know, you make, uh, make your home on the heights, who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? He's talking about the pride of Edom here. And he says very plainly that this pride has has deceived them. We all know that the Bible tells us that pride comes before the fall. It was true for them. It's true for us as well. Jump down to verse number 5 and look at what it says there. He refers here to uh, to the thieves that come to you if robbers in the night. Oh, what a disaster awaits you. You see, folks, when you go against God and against His Holy Word and against... His will in your life, it can only lead to disaster. Verse 7, it says that all your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In other words, a lot of times, our unfaithfulness leads us to not even to recognize the judgment of God coming upon us. Verse 10, he says, Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame, you will be destroyed forever. And then in verse 15, he says this, the day of the Lord is near. Not just for you, Edom, but for all nations. You know, sometimes I think if we if we take a moment and look at these at this um, little book, the message is so so glaring, but yet in some ways it's hidden. Because even though the book of Obadiah is the smallest, the shortest in the Old Testament, it um, there's a lot of other places in the Scriptures where we are, where we encounter the circumstances and the behind-the-scenes look as to what was going on here in the in the nation of of Edom. And why God was was pronouncing his judgment upon her. Now we all know that that Edom actually uh, refused to give passage to the the nation of Israel on their way to the promised land. And a lot of times people point to that moment as uh, as the moment where God's judgment was so clear on them as a nation. But folks, you got to go back even much further than that. Let me, let me give you just a couple of other references here. Genesis chapter 25 says, The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. But now here he is on the verge of, of his death, and, 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 and Isaac is, is wondering about this. And he's wondering about what God had said to, to him and to his, his wife and to his family. Genesis 27 says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee to harem to my brother Laban. Genesis 28, then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. What a pitiful situation to be in. But yet God was leading, certainly him, but, but others and the whole nation of Israel through all of this. And if you study the nation of, um, of Edom... You know, he, they, they find their roots uh, in, in Esau. That Esau was the, was the beginning of the nation of Edom. And, and, and this judgment that God was bringing on the nation did not happen in a vacuum. And I think to understand this situation, you have to go back and look at all these important characters in this narrative. For example, you have Isaac. He was an old man. He was physically weak. He had lost his discernment. He was interested only in hunting and eating and he loved he loved you remember what it says that he loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. But then he's also described as a very prayerful man. One that would seek God's favor. And then you have his wife, you have Rebekah. She despaired because she she had no children. And the Bible says that that while, that while um, Isaac loved Jacob more than Esau, that, uh, or no, excuse me, she loved Jacob more than Esau, and Isaac loved Esau more than, than Jacob. And here you have the mother of these two twins. She's, she's, uh, uh, she's described as prayerful, seeking God, but also as shrewd and cunning and deceptive. You have Esau, he was aggressive, he was active, he was impatient, he was gluttonous. He disrespected the birthright, he was desperate, he was angry, he was vengeful, he was disobedient, not considerate of his parents or anyone else for that matter. But then you have Jacob, he's described as peaceful, not active, obedient to his mother, (laughs) taking advantage of others' weakness, deceitful, cunning, and very much a liar. And you see, while so many people say that that one of these or all of these are the central characters of all of the teaching and the surrounding of, of uh, Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau and, and the nation of Israel and the nation of Edom and what God had to say about all of them, in reality, what I want you to see today is that the 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 central figure of all of this story is god and it's about the faithfulness of god and how god is going to keep his word and how god is going to be faithful you know what when i read this entire story and i read about the the cunning and the deception and and uh uh you know of, of Jacob uh, coming in and, and deceiving his father by disguising himself as his brother and the father giving him the blessing and then as as Jacob and Esau they they, they have this conflict going on and, and Esau you know sells his uh, birthright for a, for a, for a, for a bowl of stew and when I when I read all of this stuff it's so easy to 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 just look at all of the all of the dysfunction right? Anybody want to identify with a dysfunctional family? You know, I, uh, I, I talked to a guy the other day and, and he was saying to me, he said, you know what, I, I paid a guy to do some research on my family. And he said, I, I paid a guy $500 to research my family. I said, you know, I did that one time and then I had to pay a guy $1,000 to help me cover it up, right? You ever done that? You know, you, you 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 get the digging very much, and, and we human beings, we always, we always just make life messy. I used to tell my six siblings, "Listen, mom loves me best. You guys just need to deal with it, okay?" And I, I knew that wasn't wasn't true, but but in sibling rivalry, you know, that's that's the way we that's how we find ourselves. You know, we're always trying to, to, uh, to get in a better position, to receive a better blessing, to get something nobody else has, to think that someone thinks, you know, this, that, or the other about us. And and Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau and everything that surrounded all of that. I would just wonder sometimes how God didn't just wipe his hands of them. I mean, I ask myself about faithfulness and I say, why was God faithful to them? Did they deserve faithfulness? Did they deserve love and compassion and forgiveness? You know, it seems to me when you read this story that they were just a mess and they had created the mess. But then here's God. You know, when I read... When I read the book of Obadiah, that's what kind of what comes to me. When the Bible says, but the children struggled within her, and she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? The struggle and the the stress and the conflict That came into the lives of these folks it started before they were ever born and you know it's not a it's not a subject that is unheard of in the Bible you have Jacob and Esau you have the you have the 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 stress and the tension between the seed of woman and the serpent in the garden you have Cain and Abel you have Isaac and Ishmael you have Abraham and Lot you have the Israelites and the Canaanite. There's, an all, there's always a battle going on in the, in, the, in the Bible around the characters that are in this story. But as always, then there's God. In a sense, Jacob parallels Adam in that Adam tried to gain Blessing, but fails and falls into a crisis and flees to save himself from God and the wrath of God. And Jacob here is, is kind of the same, same way. But you know what, folks? I just want to celebrate with you today you know the faithfulness of God and how God dwells and interacts with His most unfaithful creation. I mean, do you ever ever just wonder, how in the world does God put up with us? How in the world does the Bible say over and over and over again that while we are unfaithful, God is faithful? While we are disobedient, God always offers us another chance. While we don't treat other people the way that that, uh, we know we should, God always treats us with love and grace and kindness and mercy. I find it interesting that when Jesus interacted with the woman at the well, he interacted with her in a way that was foreign to the people that believed in him. They wouldn't even go through the area. They wouldn't even stop and and give a a Samaritan woman the time of day, but yet Jesus does. Isn't it amazing how so often when we interact with people, people come away not with the love and grace and mercy of God, but something else. You see, that's that's the... that's the story that i get here that's that's why this story is the is the pocket knife of the believer today because even though we we do the same thing that they do here we 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 connive and we we deceive we even we even lie and we think that we're the favorite and we deserve the favorite status of our father even our father in heaven but yet through it all, that when I come to this story, I wonder why in the world God, God gave any of them the time of day. Because they all were full of deceit and didn't really care about each other the way that God wanted them to. But you see, that's why I'm saying here that, that the overall the character that we should focus on in the book here, it isn't Edom. It isn't, the, it isn't Obadiah, the, the prophet. It isn't going back to Genesis and looking at this story between the brothers and their birth and their parents and, and all of that. It's not thinking about you know, that they, they turned their back on Israel and wouldn't let them cross their land to go into the promised land that they had to go uh, a, longer, a longer way. It's none of that. It's, it's to highlight the faithfulness of God. And how God will always be faithful even, even when we are, are not. You know, I, I had a conversation with a local uh, pastor recently. Back in the summer during um, the um, Saturate Altoona event downtown. We were down there one morning praying. And uh, somebody pointed out across the street from the plaza there on the second story of the, that building that there was, a, um, that there was a, um, a witchcraft and a spiritualist kind of business. And, uh, you know, they, 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 would, they would tell you your future by looking at, at, at certain stones and you could go there and, um, and interact with a practitioner of this kind of thing. And, and I remember on that particular Sunday, one of the local pra- pastors said, you know what, we need to pray about, about that. And I ran into a guy this week who bought that building. And guess what? The witchcraft place is gone. Matter of fact, he told the story. He wasn't sure how he was going to get them out because they had a a long lease that they had leased that building to to be able to use. And he said after he bought it, he met with all of the different businesses that were in this particular building. It's a three-story building. Quite nice. It's now the Joshua house. By the way. And um, uh, he he told me that, uh, and he told me this morning actually. He told me that uh, when he when he bought the building, he met with all the tenants of the building, and one of the tenants was the was the lady that was this this witchcraft practitioner and uh, reiki kind of uh, thing, and. Um, uh, he was wondering how that he could, he could get out of this lease and everything. And he said, the first thing that she said was, she said, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. Didn't give a lot of reason. Just wanted to know if she could get out of her, her, her lease. You know what he said? Absolutely. You know what he tells me, folks? when the Holy Spirit walks in, darkness has got to flee. You know what? When you, when you highlight the faithfulness of God rather than the ugliness of anything that's going on around you or even the stress and the, the division in a family like this one, if you can highlight the faithfulness of God, that God is going to be faithful, that He's going to bring it back by, about, that His promise is going to be true, that even though even though these this family kind of misused the, 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 the Father's blessing, he was still faithful. And even though you can look at this story and think, you know what, that, he didn't deserve the, the faithfulness of God. He didn't deserve the blessing of God. They don't, you, know, all the, you can still thank God that God is a God that is faithful. So you know what? Here, think, think about this, folks. Here, here's the two questions I think that we need to ask ourselves. Do we seek our own way? Or do we just marvel in the faithfulness of God? Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Esau, the Edomites, the Canaanites, the Israelites in many ways and many times. Abraham certainly when, you know, when he, he, God said, I'm going to make you a faithful nation and, and uh, Abraham and Sarah said, you know what, we've been waiting a long time. Hey, how about taking my, my handmaiden here? Let's help God along in this. That even though when we do things like that, that are so outside the total and the ultimate will of God, God still comes alongside of us and is faithful to His promise. You know, someone once said that the longer that I live, the more that I realize that none of us deserve the place that God is preparing for us. But even in spite of all of our unfaithfulness, God has always been faithful. He's always kept His Word. And you know, when the the book of Obadiah opens up and says, this is the vision of Obadiah. That was the vision. The vision was seeing the faithfulness of God through any and everything in a person's life. And as they live, and as they mess up and as they make life messy, God still comes back around. You know, I think about, I think about the uh, Apostle Paul. Now think about how the Apostle Paul, you know, he tried it both ways. He tried to find God and, and trust God and be faithful to God by being a, a committed Pharisee. But then he finally understood that what it means is not by, not by living the life of a Pharisee, but living the life of grace. And you know what? I, when I contrast those two, those two lives, the Apostle Paul and Saul of Tarsus, you know, the, the, the committed Pharisee who just, who just wreaked havoc, he thought, in the name of God, when he was finally confronted with the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ on the road what a change it made so I'm just saying you know what let's allow God to make that change in all of us not to make ourselves the center of God's story in any way but to highlight His faithfulness and to use that that pocket knife of the faith, that faithfulness of God in our lives every day to open up things to us and to help us realize really how blessed we are because of the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. It's said it in the Scriptures for all of eternity. There's been lots of songs written, lots of hymns written about the faithfulness of God. But really the ultimate, the ultimate testimony of the faithfulness of God is your life and mine. And understanding His great faithfulness to us in spite of how we oftentimes don't recognize that He is the lead character in our story. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, give us the awareness for us to realize how important it is that we understand the faithfulness of God. God, we we so often disobey you. We so often walk away from you. We so often malign others that... uh, that are seeking You. We easily criticize, Lord. We easily just cause conflict in in and around our families, even, Lord, in our church. But God, help us to, to know that You are the true and faithful One. And God, may our understanding of Your faithfulness realize how greatly blessed that we are today that lord you never walk away from us you never wash your hands of us you never say enough is enough but that lord you're always there ready to hear our prayers ready to hear our confession so ready lord to offer your forgiveness so god there's not a one of us here this morning that doesn't need need that So Lord, I pray that we all could reach out to you and both understand and appreciate and be energized by your faithfulness, Lord, to us in life. Lord, Edom is no more because of the promises that you made. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand that there are great consequences. There are great consequences that goes with walking away from Your faithfulness. So God, may we repent of that and live, Lord, like You want us to live. Loving You. Faithful to You, Lord, all of our days. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.